Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. And they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. This is the Gospel of the Lord. I hope most of us here who've been through confirmation class remember at least the words of the commandments themselves, if not the explanation. You know the seventh commandment, you shall not steal. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not take our neighbor's money or possessions or get them in any dishonest way, but help him to improve and protect his possessions and income. That, the seventh commandment, has a simple formula like the rest of the commandments and their explanation in the catechism. It lays out the things we're not supposed to do, take our neighbor's money and possessions in a dishonest way, and it lays out for us what we are to do to keep the commandment, namely, help our neighbors to protect what he has, what belongs to him. But there's something else with the seventh commandment, the commandment about stealing, that we should not overlook or run quickly past. And it is the simple fact that the seventh commandment from God teaches us that private property is a real thing. It's not an idea, but it is something that God himself recognizes. Yes, of course, even though everything and everyone that we have is a trust to us from God, we know that. We also know that things can still be ours, they can belong to us, to the extent that God says it's a sin for someone to take it away in a certain way. For this reason, it can be rightly said, then, in Christian churches and from Christian pulpits, as I'm about to do right now, that communism is a wicked, godless, horrible ideology that should not be advocated by any Christian in any regard. If you know anything about communism, which I'm honestly probably most of you older people know about it because I was six when the Soviet Union collapsed, so it's something I learned about in history books but you know that it does seek to abolish private property, to kind of iron everything out to where everybody is equal. They say this in their literature. It's played out in history whenever communist regimes come to power. And of course, we see it's often accompanied with murder, and threats and violence to get to their goal. It's a bad thing, communism. So, Tom rightly asks, what's this got to do with the 20th Sunday after Trinity, Pastor? Fair question. Well, it's this from our gospel lesson. Jesus said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and render to God the things that are God's. Although there is the sense that everything belongs to God, as I just said, God does place things in the realm of men. He gives us power over them. He does it with possessions, the seventh commandment, and he does it also with authority, with power. 
while we're at the commandments, let's talk about another one, the fourth commandment, which you could call the first commandment of the second table of the law, the first commandment of the how do you love your neighbor as yourself. Honor your father and your mother. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise or anger our parents and other authorities, but honor them, serve and obey them, love and cherish them. Now, when I teach the CEC kids about what the fourth commandment means, I kind of sum it down to this way. God is teaching us here in the fourth commandment who's in charge. Who do we have to listen to? Now, there are three notable things about this and under this that it's good to point out. Number one, and it's obvious from the explanation, the fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother, is not limited just to parents. It doesn't just stop with mom and dad. The fourth commandment has a broad application for not just children, but for every human being from every walk of life. We are to honor all rightly ordered authorities. The second point is that, follows up this quickly, because kids usually have the question, there are bounds and there are limits to that authority that each person has. Every authority in this world has a time and a place and an extent to which it goes. So the example I use with the kids in CEC is, if you're coming to CEC class and I say, pray the Lord's Prayer for me, do you have to do it? Yeah, why? Because you're the pastor. Why? Because this is church. Why? Because you're supposed to teach us about these things. You can tell us to do that. Correct. Good job. You get a cookie. If I say, all right, after class today, I want you to go up the hill to the parsonage and pick up sticks in my backyard. You have to do that. No. Well, why not? Because you're not my dad, and that's not my house. Correct again. There are limits, and we understand this. Even if someone has a lot of authority, he is not a dictator for every facet of the life of the people below him. And that should be obvious. But there's a third point, and it's an important one today, and is that those authorities are bound by those limits, and lim- those, they are bound and limited by God, the one who authorized them to do what they do. That is to say, the limits that exist are ones that God sets. And yes, that includes both for Caesar, or as we would say it, the government. Although things have gotten somewhat back to normal for us since COVID-19 started a few years ago, not counting inflation, I wonder if that's ever going to get back to normal, there are still lessons I think that we do well to critically reflect on, especially as Christians. When that horrible virus made its appearance, many of us were worried. Many of us were very worried, and I would even say we were rightly so. Well, some of us here, our parents or grandparents or great-grandparents, lived through the Spanish flu that took place in the years following World War I about 100 years ago. We ourselves didn't. That is, none of us had lived experiences that just sort of knew what to do in the face of a global pandemic that was killing people, that was making people sick, and was destroying our way of life. And... I think it's for that reason that many of us were so very ready to absolutely and completely render to Caesar everything, to listen to the government and all that was said and prescribed. Now, as an aside here, 
When I'm not certain about how to do something, I have absolutely no shame in going to talk to the people who know what they're doing to ask them about how to do it, okay? So when I call President Rick Elliott in the congregation, I always preface the phone call with what it's about. Woodworking, how to smoke meat, or church stuff. And usually it's in that order for how often I call him, okay? I let him know because he's good at those things, especially the first two, you know, third has to do with his job at the church, but he's a good woodworker. He's good at smoking, and I wanna learn what I can from him. When I have a question about hunting, Nathan gets a text from me, right? So on and so forth. Gardening, I'll call Janice, it goes on from there. You talk to the people who know what they are doing. Now I could, myself, personally, talk at length, and I do, about my other knowledge and interests. You want to talk about theology, what's in the Bible? I bet most of you, I hope at least, would text, call, or stop by my office. I'm your pastor. I'm paid to do that. But personally, I do have a lot of tenderfoot areas, areas in which I would defer to someone else who's more of an expert. And that is what I think most churches did toward the government in the midst of COVID-19. Now, I want to be very clear that this is, even now, a few years removed, it's still a sticky wicked topic. Sticky wicked topic. I know it kind of presses buttons for some people, hits some nerves. And yeah, there's a lot of particulars we could talk, we could even argue about. Masks, distancing, the vax, etc. But that's not my purpose in bringing this up today. What I'm talking about and what needs to be talked about in churches today is churches that said, we're going to shut down and not have services and not meet together and not allow our members to come together. Why? Because Caesar said so, because the government said we couldn't. The state of Illinois was famously one of the more restrictive states during COVID-19, along with the state I was living in when it started, New Jersey. Like so many others, most others in the world, we weren't experts on what was going on. We didn't know it. We didn't know what the particulars were. We didn't even know how real or not real it was, how bad or not bad it was. So we followed the orders. We shut down. My church, we didn't have services. I went one week longer than everybody else. Everybody else in New Jersey shut down. We had a service. About a third of the congregation showed up, and they were, like me, kind of nervous about it. And then the next week, we went online and so on and so forth. But so many other churches did this, too. The pulpit where Christ's victory over sin and death, it should be proclaimed, was silent. The altar, the dinner table, where the medicine of immortality is given from God to his people was empty. It was not set. No one was coming to the feast. And the Sabbath gathering of saints in fellowship with God and one another in the faith that we hold in common, it was unkept. This was the case, if you remember, for weeks, for months. And why? Well, we were just following orders. They said we had to. Just like the game Simon says, we played the game Caesar says, or the CDC says, or fill in your favorite blank, Anderson Cooper says. Unless there be any confusion about my point, I found out there was a lot last week. Sometimes if you don't get it, start shaking your head and I'll elaborate more during the sermon. Unless there be any confusion, I'll state it plainly. We were wrong to do this. It was wrong. It was a sin. 
It's wrong to unhesitatingly and completely follow government dictates and, yes, municipal, local government. Wrong to keep each other from church just because of the office they hold. They don't have that power. They don't have that authority. Like I said before, there was reason to believe the worst about COVID-19, to plan and to act accordingly. But if you recall, if you remember, over time it became apparent that the measures were, yes, too restrictive, and they did not have the desired effect that they said that they would. And also, if you remember, it played out they were arbitrary. Don't you remember? You probably know some people. Their mom and pop store, the business, their livelihood, their seventh commandment possessions that you're supposed to help them protect, they couldn't be open, but the major corporation, consumer stores could be. They were essential. Gathering for word and sacrament with Christians, not essential. Gathering to protest George Floyd in public and mass groups of people to riot and destroy property, apparently essential. Permitted. But even these things, important as they are, are secondary to my point. It's been three years, almost four. Why talk about it now, Pastor? Because I think we still have an important lesson to learn from this. As we render to Caesar the things that are his, we should not render to Caesar the things that are God's. Belong to God. That's what Jesus is talking about. And that is why so many Christians, and that is what so many Christians, pastors, laity, and congregations collectively did in 2020. You see, just as it's wrong for communists to take the possessions and authority of other people that don't belong to them, it's also wrong for that to happen in any other system of government, yes, including a republic. We're not infallible just because we're not communists. Caesar shouldn't take authority that is not his that belongs to men. Caesar should not take it from God either. and We shouldn't let him. Four years ago, three years ago, were there consequences for those who bucked the absolute orders from Washington and the state capitals? Yeah, they were in the news. I have a file saved of what they did to pastors and churches who, in my view now, did the right thing. And there probably will be again if something like this happens again. But my question for you, Christians, is so what? We have not been called by our Lord to servilely submit to every government authority's absolute diktat, but rather to obey inside the bounds that God has given them in their authority. And when it's stepped over by them, well, we're not called to figure out a way to ride the fence, to skate by, but what does Jesus tell us to do? Take up our cross and follow him. That's what he says. He is, after all, Lord, over both life and death. And if God is for us, who, including Caesar, can be against us? Dear friends, this Christian faith is not just something that we pull out when it is convenient for us, when it feels good or when it gets us the praise of men or governments, but this is, and I hope it is for you, our whole life, the foundation of everything that we are and hope for. So for whatever reason, let's not let somebody take that away from us again. 
Let's not, let's not let somebody who is puffed up with their own sense of power and authority and expertise, which in the long run proved not to be anywhere close to what they said it was, let's not them be our Caesar and King, but let us let Christ be our King.